Have you ever noticed, though, that things can suddenly change? Something that was said to be really terrible for you, like eggs. Remember there was a time when they said, you don't eat too many eggs. If you eat too many eggs, you're going to get cholesterol and it's going to be terrible for your life and everything like that. Now you have people on this keto diet eating like nine of them for breakfast. There's, it can change so quickly. Don't ins, uh, let's all insulate with asbestos. And now you have to have guys coming in with, with hazmat suits to clean out your house if you have asbestos in it. There's some funnier other things, though, that were considered dangerous that were uh, now considered normal, like competitive sports for girls was once considered dangerous. Yeah, for real. In 1931, in the Chicago Daily Tribune, a married woman was quoted as saying, must I continue through my life half enjoying living just because I gave too much of myself to competitive sports to win a few medals which will lie unnoticed and tarnished in a box? Dangerous competitive sports. Maybe some of you thought that is still true. Or this one, licking stamps was considered dangerous. In 1916, in the New York Times, it warned against the dangers of stamp licking. It says this, aside from hygienic reasons, it's dangerous to lick postage stamps on the grounds that the stamps are bacteria-laden and under favorable conditions might convey pathogens. Don't lick those stamps, apparently. I don't know what those stamps were made of in 1916, but we don't have a lot of them. Or now, things that used to be normal are now seen as dangerous. If you're a child of the 70s or 80s or earlier, just raise your hand or give a clap, give a hoot, give something, because you survived. You survived no seatbelts, no helmets. You're riding your bike... You've do, I've done that. Bike riding out of the neighborhood without a helmet, unsupervised, four hours, no cell phone, told to return home when the sun ran down. And we survived. We survived. We're still here. Can't get rid of us that easy. Or this one, riding the metal merry-go-round. I tell you what. They call, there's a speed that's fast, and then there's the speed of vomit. Like, that's your goal. You didn't try to have a nice merry-go-round. You were trying to get your buddy or your brother to go flying off the other side. And you laughed hysterically when they got up with cuts. Those merry-go-rounds. Kids aren't tough today. Now, there'd be people, there'd be pickets on that. There'd be, like, police tape, like, uh, people trying to kill people. Like, it's just terrible. That right there was when toys were toys. We survived. This one is my personal favorite, lawn darts. I remember having these things, and then suddenly you couldn't buy them in the store. I never knew why. But I also remember having them. So for the younger people in the room, you put that one ring on the other side of the lawn, and you're supposed to stay both of you on one side, and you throw the lawn darts and try and get it in. A, it's, it's basically like horseshoes on steroids, like way more fun. But it's boring after a while doing that. So I can remember doing this with them, throwing them up and watching them come down and try and jump out of the way for them. Or playing a game where we would start with your legs far apart and you would throw it to, 
to try in between the legs, and then you had to put your foot where it landed. Then you throw it again, put it closer, until you said, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. But you, you're trying to get just, because the winner is the one who's closest together. So you just keep going and keep going. For some reason, they banned them. I don't know why. Normal, now seen as dangerous. Lawn darts you throw in the air and dodge. I don't think you can even buy them anymore. Something is uh, bad with that for some reason. Anybody have lawn darts ever had them before? Now they make them with this weighted round ball on the end. Not even fun. <laughs> Not even fun. But what used to be routine now seems so dangerous. We have helicopter parents and people who don't go anywhere, not allowed to leave the room without supervision, in their own house, like all kinds of stuff that are probably some of it with good reason, like lawn darts probably did hurt a few people. It's probably not a good idea, or I was going to say something, but I won't. Um, what used to be routine suddenly is dangerous. And it's kind of like that with prayer. You're like, where was this going? Like prayer. What used to be routine for Christ followers has suddenly become almost revolutionary to be people of prayer. We have lists of how to do things and how to help, and we got bright lights, and we got all the things, which are great. I have no problem with them. But the thing that's actually super important still and is incredibly needed still, it doesn't matter what the people around you might say, is prayer. Prayer is, no, is not dangerous in itself, but prayer is meant to be revolutionary in our lives. Not dangerous necessarily, but revolutionary. It's because we believe that we want to be people of prayer, that there are certain things that will not happen without prayer. We've talked about that. We don't want to be people that pray as an event. We don't want to be people that pray. We want to be people of prayer. Jesus said, I'm building a house of prayer, a place where people will pray, a place where, and, and not a building, a people that would be people of prayer, where you can encounter heaven. We believe that the stakes are large. We live in a world seemingly gone crazy. Maybe your life has gone crazy. Maybe there's times in your life that were crazy. Maybe your family life right now is crazy. Maybe your neighborhood is crazy. Maybe our city is crazy. And we need prayer. We need prayer more than we've ever needed prayer. There's things that God's called us to as individuals, things that God's called us to as a church that will not happen without prayer. You don't do crazy things like say we're going to start a church three hours away unless there's a little bit crazy and a lot of prayer. A lot of prayer. Because let me tell you, the stakes are high. Personally, both here in the Lower Mainland, in Canada, in Princeton, in Kamloops, in Kelowna. We all have issues that we can't seem to defeat or beat back. Perfectionism, defensiveness, easily angered, easily offended, defeatist, self-willed, self-centered anxiety and fear and depression. We're fighting porn addiction. We're fighting alcohol addiction. We're fighting other addictions. We're fighting food addictions. And many people are stuck in so many places. Some of us are stuck in an apathy of just living life with no purpose other than tomorrow. Family members that are far from God. Tens of thousands within just two kilometers of here will be tens of thousands of people who are far from God. Maybe someone in the room right now feels far from God. 
but it's not the end of the story. And the Church of Canada needs to be revived. The Church of Canada may be less engaged than it's ever been, but God is moving, and as we pray, we're believing that God will move things. Our nation is in upside down, increasingly and increasingly polarized and more polarized and, and battle lines drawn be, be, between neighbors and hateful things being said as fact. Anybody who you disagree with is suddenly no longer someone you disagree with. They have become your enemy. We need God to move. That's why prayer is still important because as Jesus followers, we still believe the good news of the gospel. We still believe that the power of God found in Jesus can change lives. I still believe that the power of Jesus found in the gospel can change communities. We still believe that the power of Jesus found in the gospel of Jesus can change a nation. I still believe that Jesus can shift a church. I still believe that Jesus can revive his church. I still believe for a nation. I still believe for families. I still believe for people who are lost and feel like they're far from anyone, let alone God. Because we read that the early Christians were known as ones, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, ones that turned the world upside down. In reality, they were turning it upside right because what they were turning upside down was a world filled with hatred, a world filled with slavery, a world filled with child prostitution, a, wild, a world filled with sex slavery, a world filled with regular slavery, a world which is evil on every level. The, the, the strong putting down the weak, the victimization of people, and in that world, the church of Jesus Christ, the power of the risen Jesus came into that world through men and women just like you and transformed it because they proclaimed that Jesus is alive. The one who predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection rose again. And we're going to go with what he said. And that is this, that everybody, every person, in every space, in every city is redeemable by God. There is nobody that's too far gone. There is no city that's too far, that is too dark. There, Vancouver is still reachable for God. There are people that are coming from all over the world and saying, where is God? And the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to continue to ring out as we pray and move forward in God. So when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about moving more than, more than simple, comfortable, safe prayers. Too often our prayers have become safe and sanitary. Keep me away from the merry-go-round, merry metaphorically speaking, of life. Bless me, protect me, keep me, provide for me, watch over me, safe journeys for me. Safe prayers designed to keep our relatively, relatively safe life even safer. But the gospel that turned the world upside down was not a safe gospel. It was not a just no challenge road. And in the first talk, we considered that the reality of this, that the persistent prayer turns the promises of heaven into reality on earth. We're not doing this by ourselves. We are partnering with God. He is not reluctant to move. However, God moves in response to our prayer as we persistently pray concerning God's promises and His will. Things move and begin to shift because persistent prayer turns the promises of God 
uh, promises of heaven into reality on earth. Some of us need to get a little more exercised in our prayer to say, God, you, there's things that you promised for me that I'm going to persist until I see them come. Because God, we are partnering with God. He is not reluctant to give you what he's promised you. God moves in response to our prayer. And as we persistently pray in prayer, God's promises can come and begin to shift us and shift our city, our nation. And last week we talked about how we all face or have faced or are facing mountains that seem unmovable, unpassable, unchangeable, but how Jesus said it basically this, if you just have a little faith, you can move big mountains. And as we pray, we've seen God moving over the last number of years where we've seen, even as we saw this morning, uh, Chris and Jillian who not that long ago didn't know who Jesus was. And today they're going out on a church planting team. That's a good day. It's a good day. See, we've seen Jesus set people free of addictions. We've seen Jesus heal people emotionally and physically. We've seen Jesus take marriages that were on the rocks and get them on a journey of healing. We've seen lost people find their way to Jesus by the dozens and dozens, and it's good, and we're thankful. However, we have this tendency as humans that when things move into a, a good space, what's the almost immediately what happens? We're like, okay, that was good. I'm here. I've arrived. And that would be the gravest mistake as a church that we could make, that we just kind of think, because there are still, 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 Thousands of lost people to be reconciled to God, the hungry to be fed, the unloved to, to find the love of Jesus and the love of his people, the discouraged to be encouraged, the hopeless to find hope, the weak to find strength, the sick to find healing, the emotionally unstable to find the stability of Jesus, marriages that need to be healed, lost that need to be found, churches that need to be planted, marriages and families to be restored children to be adopted or fostered. The list goes on and on and on. You might say that's a really good pastor, but it's for someone else, pastor, because I, you know, I, you don't understand. I, I really want to see change. I do. And so I'm going to be here on Sunday, but I, and I really intend to, to live differently, you know, but life and, and life happens and we get busy with soccer practices and dance recitals and we get busy and captivated by lesser things of entertainment and our work becomes all consuming and, and exhausting. We don't believe that, that this thing that we're called to is for us. We struggle in marriages that aren't working and families that are, that are in all kinds of disarray and our self-sufficiency lies to us and our fear and our insecurity limit us and our financial struggle that we, and whatever your issue is and you're saying, Pastor, I'm here, but this is, I'm, I'm here. This is as good as it's going to get. And, and I thank God that you're here. But can I challenge you today and say perhaps there's more for your life? Because life is so short, as we even heard this morning. And we live for things that won't satisfy the longing of our soul. It won't satisfy what you were created for. I don't care what age you are, whether you're 12 or you're 75. If you're still breathing air, there's still purpose on your life. It's been I read this verse a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't been able to get away from it, and it's been challenging me greatly, and it's written by Paul. Paul was a guy who, he actually, when, Christ when the church first started, 
He persecuted the church. He hated Christians. And through an encounter with Jesus, he came to know Jesus and surrender his life to Jesus. And, and he went from hating Christians to actually helping Christians and help build the church. And so he writes this. He said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But to, it was to us that God reveals these things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No eye has, on the bold part, can you just say that together with me? No eye has, no ear has, and no mind has imagined. There are things you have not seen yet that God has for you. There are things that you have not heard yet that God has for you. There are things that you have not even imagined that are not on your radar that God has not revealed to you yet. Princeton was not on my mind a year ago. I had not driven through that town in probably seven years. And I've been there about a half a dozen times in the last two months. It's wonderful. But let me tell you that sometimes Jesus has something for you that he wants to speak to you. He wants to show you something you're not currently seeing. He wants to speak to you something you're not currently hearing. And he wants to cause your imagination and your faith to begin to be stirred for something that's not on your radar because you're made for more. God wants you to hear that today that you're made for more. He wants you to let God begin to speak into your imagination and into your mind that you're made for more. Not me, pastor. Didn't you hear me? Oh, I heard you. I heard you. I can see it on some of your faces. But I want you to hear Jesus. I'm going to push back a little bit. Say amen or say ouch. I don't know. but <laughs> Because I want to, you to know that there's more for you. There's more for the retired you. There's more for the student you. There's more for the struggling you. There's more for the one who's got everything together, you. There's more for the sexually confused. There's more for the one who's addicted. There's more for the family, you. There's more for the stay-at-home mom, you. There's more for the businessman, you. There's more for you. There's more for you. There's more for you. Because your eyes haven't seen it yet, your ears haven't heard it, and you haven't even begun to imagine what God has stored up for you. So I want to get all that God has for me. I want to become all that God has intended me to be so that I can live my life and say, God, I've lived out what you've called me to live out. The lives that you intended me to touch, I did my best with your strength. God, that through the church that you called us to lead, that, that you, we did what you've called us to do. My responsibility is obedience. His responsibility is outcome. But here's the deal. God is willing, God is ready to help you in whatever space you're in that we just described. He doesn't just say, figure it out. He said, I want to tell you something you haven't heard before. I want to reveal something to you that you don't see right now. I want to speak to you about something that is not on your agenda right now because I want to put something on your agenda that will change your life. It's not a try harder thing. T.D. Jakes says this, and he's an African-American preacher in, in, in the U.S., probably one of the most influential voices in America in terms of preachers. He said this, we all set out to make a difference in the world, but the first step is to achieve the less lofty goal of changing your own world. And that's the part where we're talking about this morning. Change our world, Lord. Change what, our, what we see.
change what we're listening to, change what we're imagining. See, the Holy Spirit wants to unlock some new perspectives that will cause you to see what has always been in front of you and is revealed. The gifts of God, the possibilities to move your life forward. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you new wisdom, give you some fresh creativity, cause some and speak some new hope and new courage into your spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to give you some fresh ideas for some old problems that you haven't been able to solve. Wherever you're at, whatever stage you're at, whatever hole you're in, whatever your experience, whatever your age, God made us to bring us alive in our hearts, to not just live day in, day out, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, on the weekend, watch some Netflix, go to church. Go. <laughs> the Christian life's so boring. That one is. Because you're made for more. That's why Jesus is inside of you. He wants to show you things you don't see yet. He wants to speak to you things you haven't heard yet. And he wants to drop into your heart some ideas that are going to help your life. But here's where prayer comes in and becoming a church of prayer. Because we easily and regularly pray prayers to make our lives and the lives of those around us safer, easier, and better. Nobody has to be reminded for that. But the prayers that we have to be reminded about, and these are the ones I'm reminding you about this morning because I'm asking you to and challenging you to five dangerous prayers over this next year. Five dangerous prayers. See, our prayers that used to be ordinary, like these kind of prayers, we call them dangerous, but one time they were ordinary. Prayers that will change your life. Prayers that when answered will cause you to see a new perspective. Prayers that when answered will cause you to hear new dreams, new perspective, new leading. Prayers that when answered will cause vision to land in your heart for the, for the next step of your life. I'm not talking about that everybody's moving to Princeton. If you want to, you can. I am talking about that wherever we're at, whether in the music world whether in the education world, whether in the political world, wherever we are, that we would be open to seeing new things and God using us in a new way. That I would be open to being changed by God, to hear what I haven't heard yet. That I'd be open by the Holy Spirit to be led into something I haven't even imagined. It's not a magic formula. It's a connectivity thing. I need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because it actually says there, no eyes see, no ears heard, nobody's imagined it, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. And then it goes on to say that the Holy Spirit reveals the secrets of God. I want to know the secrets of God. He's not hiding them. He needs me to go to Him and ask Him. And so many of us just live in, I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do and I'm trying to get here to survive. Um, the guy over here, he has all the answers. Yeah, but I'm going to try and make it here myself. I'm going to fight and I'm going to scrap and I'm going to do it and I'm going to... And Jesus is meanwhile through the Holy Spirit saying, I've got revelation that you need. I've got the word that you need. And I've got the ideas that you've been looking for. Yeah, but I've got to figure it all out. Well, you can do it that way if you want. It's not going to be very productive. And, but over here, if you come through the Holy Spirit, you can actually begin to come close and hear the secrets of God. Who do you tell your secrets to? The guy on the bus? Well, if you are, stop. But if you're secrets are told to the people that are closest to us. And some of us don't hear the secrets of God for our life because we don't take time to draw close.
And so I'm going to be challenge you in this moment to five dangerous prayers. Last couple of weeks in the office, we've had uh, internet connectivity issues. It's so fun if you're in the finance department where they're working halfway through something and the internet cuts out halfway through something. They love losing an hour's work. It's so incredible to hear the character growing in the other room. <laughs> I'm just teasing. They're doing really good. Um, but we tried all kinds of things. We tried resetting the switch. We tried resetting the router. We tried all kinds of things. Till finally we had to call the guy, the company. I won't name Shaw because uh, <laughs> and they came. <laughs> it's not an endorsement. <laughs> no, it's fine. They eventually came and eventually um, and came and looked at things and they had to do some stuff to our modem because the connection from the internet was perfect but there was a connectivity issue in the modem that caused the message to not get to our computer. And sometimes that's exactly what's happening with us. The message is coming from heaven, the fresh revelation, the fresh word, the fresh idea. But there's something in us that needs to be dealt with by the one who is responsible for the connection so that the connection can get through. We can get the revelation of word and what God has for our lives. Sometimes there's things that, that, as in our case, he had to debug and update some things. Some of us need some things debugged out of us. We need some things that are pulled out of us. We need some updates from God, as it were, to hear what God's saying, because we're designed to connect with heaven. We need continual maintenance and upgrading. And there are five dangerous prayers that I believe will change anything and will stop us from being just, change my spouse, change my job, change my parents, everybody else, but change me change me. I don't know if anybody else ever prayed like, oh, Lord, I pray that my wife would just somehow, you would reveal to why she does, she never agree with me. Lord, you would help her to be more agreeable. I pray that all the people that cut me off in traffic, that I wouldn't have to like put the middle finger at them, that Jesus, you would help them to not be terrible. No, sometimes I think how we pray, strike them down, smite you. Um, but how about we pray and say, Lord, change me. There are prayer, the prayers, these next five prayers that are dangerous prayers are we're just simply inviting Jesus into our story so that we can fully engage with him, we can connect with him in a new and a fresh way, that we can see what we haven't seen, hear what we haven't heard, and have dropped into us ideas that we need. The worship team can begin to come and we're almost there. Because when we begin to change the way we pray, God begins to change the way we live. When we begin to move off of safe, easy prayer into prayer that's incredibly dangerous in a way, dangerous only from the perspective it's going to change your life. Let's everybody go. The communion people, if you need to go, we're all moving, so I'm just going to take a moment because it's, I know it's distracting for me, so I'm sure it is for you. We'll let them all go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, communion team, worship team. When we begin to change the way we pray, God begins to change the way that we live. And the first prayer that I invite you to pray in this season and pray regularly, not just one time, is search me. Search me. Search me. In Psalm 139, the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Now, God doesn't hate you when you sin. He hates to sin because he knows that sin breaks people. Sin hurts people, so God hates sin. 
And when, when God wants, when, I, when the psalmist says, search me, O God, he says, I want to deal with anything that's in us, in between us relationally. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you when, when you when you blow it and when you sin. It's just simply like this. If I snap at my wife, if I ignore her texts, if I uh, do whatever, throw her shoes out the window, I don't know. And then I come home and I say, hi, dear. We know it's not going to be good. There's going to be a chill in the air. I will get somebody, a, a, do, a, a, a dog, to sniff my meal beforehand because it might be poisoned. I don't know. My point being that because I did wronged her, there's a chill in the relationship. Do, does she love me? Yes. Is she committed to me? Yes. Are we still married? Yes. Does she feel the love? I don't think so. And when we're in our relationship with God... It does not mean that God does not love us when we sin. It does not mean that he's not for us. It does not mean that he's co not committed to us. It simply means our relationship, there's a gap there. And search me, O oh God, and draw me near to you. Help me and root it out of me. Because when we begin to change the way we pray, God begins to change the way we live. Second one is break me. Ay, uh, my sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. We love when we say someone is soft-hearted. Most soft-hearted people are there because they've been through hard times. Most hard people are hard because they haven't been through something that's broken them. Broken, similar to, it's a word that's similar to when a horse is trained and it's broken by the hand of a loving trainer who trains it so that it can be productive and it can be what it was supposed to be. In a similar way, we're saying, God, break me and make me usable, make me trainable, make me, Lord, in the areas of my heart, break the things, my busyness, my self-sufficiency, my penchant for perfectionism, my inclination to be discouraged, my stubbornness, my insensitivity, my drivenness, my arrogance, my wrong priorities. I invite you to smash my old ways to bit so that you can build what you're called to build in my life. Because when we begin to change the way we pray, God begins to change the way we live. We're drawing closer to him. Stretch me is number three. And the church was starting out the apostles who were followers of Jesus, the, the, the big 12, um, 11 by this point in Acts, they were preaching Jesus and literally as they um, saw thousands of people get saved, there was people getting healed, all kinds of stuff. They get hauled into the religious court and they said, we're going to, don't ever speak in his name or you're going to be in trouble. Stop preaching, stop speaking. And they went back home and they got together and they said this, this powerful prayer. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak with boldness. They didn't shrink back from difficulty. They didn't shrink back from challenge. They asked God to help them face it head on. And so often we want the promise without the process. We want the fit body without the workout. But stretch, what challenge or difficulty or painful thing are you facing today that you've been trying to escape but God wants you to confront and be stretched to grow stronger and healthier. Every one of these is to draw closer to Him. When we begin to change the way we pray, God begins to change the way we live. Number four, lead me. My sheep listen to my voice, Jesus said. I know them and they follow. Jesus is for you whether you're trapped in a whirlwind of craziness whether you're a student that's in university and you're trying to figure out what's the next thing in my life. I'm coming to graduate and I still don't know what I want to do. 
Whether you're an older adult wondering if you will make an impact again, you might be an addict feeling like there's no hope for you. Where will I, how will I ever break out? Jesus, lead me. I don't know how to fix myself. I don't know the way to the life you've created me for. I don't know how to heal our marriage. I don't know how to fix my issue. I don't know how to overcome what I'm on. Lead me out of where I am into what you've called me to be. Lead me. Because when we begin to change the way we pray, God begins to change the way that we live. This is about Jesus. Finally, use me. Your Ephesians 2.10 says, You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he's prepared in advance for you. You are God's workmanship with good works that God's prepared for you. He has a destiny in your, on your life. He has a call on your life. He has purpose written all over you. Before you were born, he knew what he has for you. He's called you. He's designed you. He's made you a certain way to make an impact in the world. He, and your prayer, if you say, God, use me, he will. You're created for purpose. Don't fall under the spell of the age. Live big. Live brave. I don't want you to just pray, though. I want you to pray and take a step. Don't ever stop praying these prayers. Search me, break me. You should take your phone out and take a picture of that, maybe, or write it down, something, and regularly be praying. God, search me, break me, stretch me, lead me, use me, that I can be what I'm called to be, that I don't get on my back foot and start being re reeling backwards, but I lean in and say, God, I need you. I got to get closer to you because you're the way that's going to help me transform my life. You're the one who's going to move me forward. You're the one who's going to move a church forward. You're the one who's going to shift a city. It's not by our might. It's by Jesus. We need him. So pray and take a step. We have things like God, find his power. and There's going to be hearing God that's going to be coming up. There's going to be set free that's coming up. Be watching for those where you can really begin to know God for yourself, begin to hear him for yourself. There's grow track that's also there where we talked about already, where you find your purpose. That Pray and say, God, where would you use me? Groups, find your people because life is better together. We want to help you as you respond to God that we won't just be people of prayer, that's the first step. But prayer always moves us to action. Prayer moves us to action. Prayer just prepares the way in front of you. And then you say, God, what do you want me to do? Oh God, I ask that you would search me. I ask that you would break me. I ask that you would stretch me beyond where I'm at. I ask that you would lead me where you want me to go. I ask that you would use me. We want you to respond.